Uh, hello there, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Nice to see everybody on a Sunday evening. Let's see what we got here. Hello, Val. Hey, Chris. Hello there, Rebecca. Hello there, Crystal. How's everybody doing tonight? What about you, Val? Well, I, you know, I'm going to be very, very busy. I got some uh, community volunteerism going on this week. I've, I've got to get this computer in. I'm going to do some refurbishing on this computer here. So I might, I don't know if, I'm, if it's going to knock me offline Sunday coming up next, but we'll see. Hopefully everything will work out just fine. Not a big thing. So what else we got going on? Well, today we have Mr. Brian Sawyer coming in from Bigfoots of Michigan. And, you know, I'm, I'm a Michigan resident and I, I just I just absolutely love uh, to bring in and introduce uh, different Michigan people. And um, tonight's show, I think I think everybody will have a, a good time listening to this this interview. Awesome. Let's go ahead and bring him in. Brian, come on down. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. So introduce yourself to everybody, who you are and what you do. Yes, uh, my name is Brian Sawyer. Um, my name's kind of known around the Detroit area as an actor and a producer. Um, I produce for independent filmmaking um, as an actor. I've been on most of the Hollywood sets um, that come to Michigan, you know, in one way or another, whether it's helping out with sound, camera, stand and work. I've doubled for Eric Roberts. Uh, I've been on sets with Ben Affleck, uh, Henry Cavill, Gal Gadot, all the bigger type movies that come to town. So yeah, doing that. And right now we're kind of launching a test pilot series called Bigfoots of Michigan, Bigfoots of America. And the primary goal of the TV show is to go around the state of Michigan and interview Sasquatch eyewitnesses. Um, one of our mottos is, is that the eyewitness is just as important as Sasquatch. They kind of go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I got I got to tell you, my only my only uh, experience with television was when I was featured on uh, A and E History Channel. Awesome. Um, doing the kind of documentary on um, uh, uh, criminal organizations. Okay. As such, that's that's what I did, and. And their documentaries and stuff. Um, that's that's been my experience with that. Okay. But you know, awesome. Yeah, your your data is amazing. You know, we've we've only talked a couple of times, but I look forward to getting to know you more and meeting in person and just really sitting down and just going through a lot of stuff because you can really educate me a whole lot. Well, I don't bite, do I, Brian? Not that <laughs> just, I know. Just of. for the people. <laughs> No, uh, I think yeah. <clears throat> no. They we need to get to know you. That's yeah. It. I think yeah. I I think yeah. um, um, see you and I come from a generation. You know, heck, when I was I remember my father coming to me when I was twelve years of age and saying, "Hey, from now on, any any male older than you, you're going to refer to as sir." And I'm mm -hmm. like, "What? You you mean I got to call the kid down the street, sir?" And he says, "Yeah." And I said, well, why do I have to give him respect? He said, it's not for them. It's for you. Mm -hmm. You're going to learn how to honor your, your, you know, people older than you because you're about to go into the workforce and you mm -hmm. need to know how to honor the um, system of authority. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that's, you know, you know, all through, all through my professional life career, um, that's been a, that's been a real stickler for me. Uh, you know, um, it's, you know, <clears throat> Brian and Grizz, it's not about vulgarities. It's not about profanities. It's about respect, mm -hmm. seriously. And when you're dealing with people, uh, in the, in the kind of things that Grizz and I did, that's what it's all about. It's, it, you know, people business is, is a dynamic business. Yes. You know, there's, there's a lot of ups and downs. There's a lot of, there's a lot of nuance to it. And, um, those that succeed learn that very quickly. And it's not about dictatorial, um, uh, uh, shouts and, and disrespect and stuff. And, you know, it's just, it's just gone a long way with me. And that's something that, that I, uh, tend to, to, to demonstrate, on, on my Facebook group site, you know, yeah. I don't want the trolls. I don't want the profanities, the vulgarities. Impress me with, with what you know. Right. Tell me your mastery of the English language. That's what I want. I want to learn something every day. Very nice. Every time I talk to somebody, I want to learn something. And that's when I know um, that I'm on the right track. Totally agree. Totally agree. So, so what do you do, Brian? Uh, explain to everybody what, what you're working on, what your plans are, and and so forth. Well, we're working on the TV pilot. So it's um, putting together like a season one and a season two pitch package. So with that, we need to establish kind of a format for episodes. Um, there needs to be a system of promotion like artwork logos, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, your mission statements, um, you want to kind of verify what your goal of the show is. Um, so when you present it to the studios, they have an, a whole idea basically of what you want to do, but also what they can do with your show. So um, uh, like Val was saying is a lot of times you just need to shut up and listen because you have to uh, negotiate so much and meet at that middle area to where you both have a product that you can sell. So what yeah, got so, you into the Bigfoot world? Um, this has been about two years now. I was doing another test pilot. Um, we had some people, studio people in the state of Michigan, and we were working on kind of a concept family paranormal cryptid show. And so we were going to do different episodes like with UFOs and mermaids, um, pterodactyls. We've got some sightings on the west coast of Michigan. I might still do that one. Um, so it's very interesting. So this particular episode um, was going to be about Bigfoot. And I met an eyewitness. His name is Aaron Young. And he had a Sasquatch eyewitness encounter um, in Gladwin, Michigan. Now, going back, you know, really, I started off with Sasquatch when I first saw the, the In Search of episode with Leonard Nimoy about the Patterson-Gimlin film. So, and I just remember as a child seeing that on TV and, oh my gosh, there's a monster in the woods? This is crazy. <laughs> and then um, that kind of lightens up. I was, man, I watched Six Million Dollar Man. I don't think there was an episode that I missed. And so... When Six Million Dollar Man show uh, came on with Bigfoot and the UFO connected, boy, that really drove it home for me. 
And but you know, you get older and you take on the duties of everyday life and marriage and kids and all of that, and uh, you forget about these things. And so, uh, you know, sure, like any other man, I've been on YouTube checking out YouTube videos, but you know, it was just one of those things where it's not that I never believed that Bigfoot existed, it's just kind of like, well, I wonder if it does. Well, when I sat down with Aaron Young and we were around the campfire filming. And he gave his eyewitness encounter, and I looked into his eyes. So here's here's a man where, you know, he's got his reputation to lose, uh, being called a wacko, whatever. You, so many of these armchair quarterbacks in, in what we call the normal world, when they look into the Bigfoot world, they call us wackos or, or crazy people. But when I looked in Aaron's eyes, I was like, Oh my gosh, it is real. Not that I, you know, didn't think it was real, but it drove the point home that Sasquatch is real. And I I just was encaptured by it. And then around that time, the Cass River sighting had happened down there, right around the Vassar area in the Cass mm-hmm. River. Now I have since gained more information on that. And, you know, everybody has a right to their opinion on that. On that. And Val, sometime, I think you and I, we have to dip into that more mm-hmm. about the information <clears throat> that, that, um, that I found out. Um, Cause I, I don't want to spoil it for other people, but now I have a certain opinion because of the information I found out. So anyways, mm-hmm. between Aaron Young's, um, eyewitness encounter and the Cass River sighting that got me interested. And then I got on the BFRO page and there was another sighting just uh, east of me. I live in the town of Sandusky now. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father had passed. I, I took over his, his, his house and it seemed like all these dominoes started falling into place. Mm-hmm. And so I find out about another sighting by a possible Boy Scout and his father over here on the East Coast by uh, Port Sanilac, between Port Sanilac and Lexington, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. So then I came across a book. I started, you know, you just start following the rabbit trail. And I came across a book called uh, Sasquatch Encounters or something like that in, in the Thumb of Michigan by Robert C. Brenner. And oh my gosh, it just lit my brain up. And so I started kind of connecting the dots. And the two biggest dots are the Cass River and the Black River and how they meet up into this place called the Minden City Swamp. Mm-hmm. So I just started investigating and getting the word out there. And me, you know, having a background with the, the acting and, and film and just kind of contacting some of my buddies, hey, how I go about this. Um, could, because when I'm doing a test pilot, you know, it's costing me 500 to a thousand dollars a day for camera rental all of that and you've got certain conditions certain stipulations that have to be you know the boxes have to be checked off so i'm like okay well i don't want to put that kind of money into this show but if i take this on myself and put this on my shoulder and the tab is all on my shoulders then i should be able to distribute the monetary weight evenly and that's what i've been doing um Mm -hmm. i was on the the big thing that really sent it home for me um i was on set with john ham and david harborough from stranger things and i'm sitting in a room with both of them and uh steven soderbergh director steven soderbergh came in and we were all talking and steven starts talking about how he filmed and i forget the name of it but he filmed a movie with meryl streep 
all on his iPhone 13. And he mm-hmm. said, you know, hey, if you've got the right editing tools, it can be done. You know, it's mm-hmm. hard to kind of wrangle in the sound and lighting, but, mm-hmm. you know, you can do it. So I remembered that. So I, at that time, I had an Android phone. I went out and I bought an iPhone 13. I bought an iPhone 14. I just kind of took the recommendations of what Steven was talking about. And I said, hey, if I get this all together, I might be able to do a pilot show with these tools. And so that's what I've been doing. We finished uh, season one in December and there's 10 episodes. We're on YouTube as Bigfoots of Michigan. And we've got a group page on on, uh, Facebook, Bigfoots of Michigan slash Bigfoots of America. America because now that has bled into a podcast show as well. So mm-hmm. we're in the beginning stages. And um, the main thing I want to do, and I keep pulling myself back into this, is yes, I, I realize I have to have a product for the studios. I have to deliver on what I've talked to them about. So, mm-hmm. but I have to connect with people. I believe that all successful things are founded on people and relationships with people. Um, During the day, I have a real job. I work for Ford Motor Company. I'm an auto worker. And I work on the new E-150 electric motor. And so I'm working with some of the latest technology there are in electric cars. And, you know, I got to be honest, we're struggling a little bit. And part of me laughs and says, hey, wait a minute, have we been building automobiles for 100 years now? Well, the problem is the implementation of the technology, you know, just integrating all this new technology that will cooperate with machines in order to build these, you know, uh, products for the engine. Basically, I make components for the electric engines. And so Ford always built something off of something they had before. And so with the show, my most important ingredient, yes, of course it's Sasquatch, but just as equal is is the people. And so it's to build it off, off people. It's to form good relationships, like with Val. Like, you know, I already know with Val, I'm gonna have a long-term relationship where we respect each other. I'm gonna respect what he's doing. I'm not going to impede on his territory. And, um, but when I have my eyewitnesses, every time we go to do an episode, the first thing I tell them is, this is your episode. Mm -hmm. I want you to tell it how you see it. Because I said this before, we need a data pool and we need to pour all that knowledge into this data pool just be, so we can have just all the information. I didn't want to get wrangled into the Gigantopithecus narrative. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that that's not what Sasquatch is. You know, it, it very well could be. But if you want to tell me that a Sasquatch came out of a UFO, I want to say, okay, let's hear it. You know, let's hear it. Let's put it into an episode. That way we've got a bunch of different dynamics in our show. Mm-hmm. So that, that's mm-hmm. what we're looking for. Different dynamics, different people from different backgrounds and building the TV series on, on people. What do you think Bigfoot is? Oh, so you right, right, right for the throat on that one. <laughs> I'm not going to buy in on anything, but I will tell you what I'm leaning towards. Um, I believe it to be some sort of ancient human DNA tribe 
um, with some kind of special abilities that I do not fully understand yet. Because if we bring in, um, you know, I just met up with a friend of mine. And uh, if we bring in the um, idea of portals and cloaking, I mean, I just received a picture from a friend of a friend who, and Val, I'll show you this um, mm -hmm. when we get a chance, mm -hmm. of a Sasquatch possibly cloaking. It is a cloaked Sasquatch, and you can distinguish it from, it looked like, say, it was here at one moment, and mm -hmm. it, it had a cloaked with the foliage that was around it, mm -hmm. but then it had moved into the center of the trail, and so it was still holding the picture of the foliage from over here, and it had moved a new foliage, and so it stood out, and you can see the outline of the figure. So, go ahead. Similar to what people claim double exposures are. Okay. Right. Oh, picking up entities uh, and that idea. Well, well, that and and uh, sometimes when the cameras don't have the right setting, the shutter speeds and stuff. Okay. Okay. They, they get they get that that blurry uh, double exposure. Okay. Where well, something gets be... where something gets bleed uh, bled into another, you know, image and stuff. Awesome. Yeah, see, this is where you're gonna know. So when I show you that picture, you're gonna mm -hmm. you're gonna have the knowledge to do that. Well, I already, I already you know, now I you know just twelve years into this, um, I've I've been able to form a lot of opinion and ideas on on what I think this is, but what I what I what I believe it is, with pretty good certainty is. That it's neither human nor primate. It's an okay. enigma. Mm. It's it's something in between. It's not it's not a primate. And and the people that call it uh, forest people, I don't I don't I don't buy that. Okay. Um, as you said, and and Grizz probably agrees that these things have been here a very very long time. One of the one of the important things that I remember is uh, going back and looking and researching uh, how Native Americans or Native Indians um, interacted with this. And uh, one of the questions that, that's pretty common when people interview uh, Native Indians is, how come, you know, well, if Bigfoots have been here so long and they live in caves, live subterranean, Where's their fire? Mm. We've never seen anybody use any fire. And the response to that by, by some learned academic researchers uh, say that, that um, they use the DENA, they, they use the DENA practice of making, they've learned this like Indians They've used the practice of DENA, D-E-N-N-A. I've never heard of, of that. Of, of making fires underground. Okay. It's it's a there's a technique to it, and and what it is is when you burn a fire and and, and some of the people that are are very very good survivalists, and very very good outdoorsmen, they would know this. There's a there's a method, a technique to uh, creating a fire underground, and nobody would ever see it. You would know, um, 
but nobody nobody on the surface would ever see this and that's similar to what they claim the sasquatch has done so the question the question uh, that follows this is is back with the chicken and egg you know that logic question the question in philosophy that always comes up which comes first the chicken or the egg ask somebody this that question sometime and listen to sit back and listen to the responses so the question the question that follows that that underground fire method technique that supposedly um, native indians learned where did they learn that from so the question so the the question goes back to the question goes back to they claim sasquatch taught the indians this okay okay this technique that's how come that's how come you know the early native indians could could have a fire and and soldiers and everybody else couldn't see them because they learned that technique wow. and and for the the fact of that matter that when when these are when sasquatches are subterranean or they're in caves you don't see the fire but there's obviously there's it's obviously been fired there okay evidenced by the fact that the uh <clears throat> the ceilings inside the caves are scorched black with soot and stuff wow. so so something has been there and there's there brian and grizz I'm, I'm telling you as as a data miner i've never believed this before i never got into ufos and that kind of stuff and i and i'm still not i'm just saying that I've come across so many reports uh, intermixed with uh, Bigfoot UFOs with Bigfoots, okay. but I cannot I cannot count them and I cannot dismiss wow. them out of hand. So um, there was a book. There's an earlier book, and I don't recall the author's name now. That I read. Oh, he went somewhere. Huh. Okay. Well, hurry back, Val. So what's your picture <laughs> of this entity or Bigfoot? Did uh -huh. it look like anything like Predator or a Glimmer Man that everybody's calling? Yeah, I, I would it lean towards Predator. So with that in mind, you know, we now know that the CIA um, gives Hollywood information. Um, I believe it's a program of desensitizing people. So that we might be more accepting, you know, over a long period of time. Um, one of my, you know, examples is is back when I was a kid, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Right. You know, that was a huge introduction to aliens. And prior to that, at least from my generation, I, what? What are you talking about, aliens? Give me a break. And then, but the only connection, though, and I laugh at this, is the six million dollar man. Where they? Where did they back then? get the idea of bigfoot coming out of a ufo yeah interesting yeah i've yeah. actually seen videos and pictures of something that's cloaking it's okay. uh looks like predator or the glimmer man's what people call it now these days because they don't know okay. what they're seeing okay wow so i don't know what happened i just got dropped off the good uh, to see you internet back. oh yeah i'm back, <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> um so I think I was in the middle of explaining um, the reports and stuff. So there are a lot of reports that um, that link 
um, Sasquatch to to unidentified flying objects. And, and that was even hard for me, Val. I have to admit, because initially, yeah, I was in the um, camp of Gigantopithecus, you know, mm -hmm. because in your logical mind, I'm like, well, what else could these things be? Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, you know, it, it's definitely been a fast journey for me over the past two and a half, three years. Now, the, the old book that I don't recall the author's name, <clears throat> it, it was about gold mining. <clears throat> it claimed that uh, the Sasquatches here that we know, that we recognize as Bigfoot, there's, there's so many different names for them, uh, were sent here from another planetary place. Oh, my. And they were, they were here to mine um, materials and minerals that aren't possible wherever they came from their place that they came from according to this author not me it's not me that said this was destroyed by war or some other catastrophe that, that devastated the place they came here and they made like other uh <clears throat> living <clears throat> excuse me other living entities and um and this is where they live this, Did you, you know, see my this, mouth hanging open when you said that? I'm like, what? So they're like workers dropped off? Like like worker bees. Wow. You know. I mean, that's according to him. That's okay. that's his that's his uh um thesis. That's what he that's what he wrote about. Uh but you take you take all this information, you put it together and and you weed out, you know, like like wheat and chaff. You you yeah. sift through it and you take what what is useful to you, and uh, discard the rest. But it, it's interesting where that conversation goes. Oh, without it's, a doubt. I I mean, for me, um, you know, I've got the Christian background. Yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I'll admit that. But I was going to ask with, about that. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but with with my religion or relationship with you know Jesus Christ, for some, I've got to reconcile this. Mm -hmm, I've got to mm -hmm. reconcile this somehow. Mm -hmm in my mind to make sense because look these things exist i don't care how many guys fat guys sit in a lazy boy chair and say they don't exist and i go out every november and i hunt and i never seen nothing well yeah you're out there what for a month maybe tops at, in a deer blind that's on the edge of a farmer's field and you're mm -hmm. you're wondering why you haven't seen one of these things mm -hmm. um but yeah, so with my Christian background and, you know, Christian life, I have to reconcile this and I have to, I really have to move um, the borders of my understanding out more. Mm -hmm. um, I think we have a tendency, whatever religion you're in, um, to say, well, it's this way or the highway. Well, as a Christian, I'm learning I don't know half of what I thought I knew. So, um, I mean, there is a narrative in the Christian religion that these, and I don't know if you, you've probably heard this a million times now, that these could be, I like the Scott Carpenter narrative. Yes. Um, I, yeah, I believe he said that these are possible generations down the line of the offspring of the Nephilim, um, mm. which were the original <clears throat> offspring of the fallen angels. You know, the, mm -hmm. the the 200 angels that came on came on down to Mount Hermon. They made a pact 
to uh, basically have sex with human women. And then because of those interactions, they spawned all sorts of giants. And actually, I think there's um, in the Book of Enoch or something, there's also something called the Book of Giants and the Book of Monsters. And there's narratives that not only were Sasquatch, you know, um, made, but all sorts of different kind of creatures. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, so, so as a Christian, I got to dig back in and try to find any kind of narrative that'll help me logically understand this. Well, you know, we, we've talked before about this, and I think we touched on this. And um, I have my beliefs also, and, mm -hmm. and it, it's pretty compatible with yours, Brian. Okay. For real. And, um, I, you know, I, I really, really enjoyed uh, Scott Carpenter's stuff. To me, it was inspirational. Very and much. it was very, it was very, um, it was a very interesting optic to read yeah. his, his, his stuff. Because when I read his material, Scott uh, Carpenter from Tennessee there, um, I learned a lot from that. He gave me insight, and it, and to me, I took that as as confirmational. There was a lot okay. of truths and a lot of confirmations within his his writings. That's what I got from it, and right. it was very right. good. So let me ask this, uh, and I got to ask you this: How does your how does your um, production uh, aspiration? differ from say finding bigfoot and that kind of stuff have you learned anything from that um is there is there things that you you found um not not uh, workable with you or your idea of producing a production well well that's 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 part of it um i have to separate the christian brian sawyer mm -hmm. from from what the studio wants mm -hmm. um and for me also too because i don't want to i don't want to be an idiot in life i don't want to be a closed-minded idiot um so i want to hear if you think sasquatch came from a ufo i i want to hear if you think sasquatch is just a gigantopithecus another form of ape um i want to hear all these things um so i'm gonna let you talk but hopefully you're going to let me talk as well and say, Hey, as a Christian, this is what I believe these could be mm -hmm. just so you know, because in the end, um, we're not here to make anyone believe I'm not here to make anyone believe what I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, but for the show, um, I have to have a broad spectrum, um, for multiple reasons. I'm trying not to give too much away. Yeah. Um, you know we have we have a narrative and we have an idea and the narrative right now is to start with michigan mm -hmm. with that in mind there's only so many sasquatch encounters so there's a saying how do i grow the show when i talk to the people i'm talking how do you grow the show because in tv land the golden cup the trophy is to have 10 seasons so if you didn't know that Anytime a TV show starts, they want 10 seasons. And so just like the Curse of Oak Island, God love them. Yeah, um, I like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they, they're good at stringing you along and 
to the next episode mm-hmm. and then the next season. Because once you get past a couple of seasons, then you're in your profit margin. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you're making that money back and then some. And then because usually it takes a season or two to, to garner a following. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, for me, though, the one narrative I want to push, first of all, I want to be able to say my point of view. So that's an understanding I have with the people I'm working with. You know, I, I can be a Christian doing this or I'm not going to do the show. Um, number two is, like I said before, just as important as Sasquatch is, so is the eyewitness. People mm-hmm. are so important. I have, um, you know, we have the scary encounters, Val, but mm-hmm. we have the wonderful encounters too. Mm-hmm. Um, one particular uh, sighting, um, this girl, she's older now. She had moved away from the state of Michigan, but now she's back. And she got a hold of me and she said, hey, I need help. I'm like, yeah, what do you need help with? And she says, I need help in tracking down a Sasquatch family. And I'm like, what? Like like a fourth cousin or something? And she says, well, here's my story. Every year, my father used to take us camping in the RV to a certain campsite. And when I was about 10 years old, I was out there playing like we do every summer, you know, the, the week or two we stay out there. And I turned around and there was a jet black adolescent Sasquatch with these golden eyes standing five feet away from me, just looking at me. Well, long story short, she forms a friendship with this adolescent Sasquatch. And as time goes on, the parents of this, this young Sasquatch move in closer to camp. She ends up feeding the alpha male, the father figure, um, steak off the grill. And she's like, and he really enjoyed it. And so she said, I had a long running relationship and with this Sasquatch family at this particular campsite. And um, then I moved away. And mm-hmm. so now I'm back in Michigan and I would love to find uh, this particular Sasquatch family. So you talk about, with, with me being respectful, but you talk about crazy stories. Mm-hmm. So so I take a story like that and then I got the guy over my right shoulder, you know, in the shop going, there ain't no Sasquatch out there. So who's lying to me, you know, mm-hmm. who's mm-hmm. lying to me? So a lot of and i find it's it's more with um women that have the more pleasant encounters with sasquatch and i just assume that hey maybe we're too uh we're too apt to um react in fear and grab a gun maybe men are um just the way we're we're made you know the way our Mm -hmm. mechanics work in our brain and um so yeah i think very much with all the eyewitnesses i'm meeting uh the women seem to have the more pleasant encounters when they tell me. Yeah, um, I would I would agree. Um, somebody one time got into a discussion about about, uh, and I call I classify these. Everything that I do has a data set, and um, I'm working with I'm working with a uh, database with about two hundred. Um, different data sets. And when I say data sets, I'm talking about uh, names for each one of these. And these these names, these data sets are actually words or, or short phrases. They're like keywords. 
<clears throat> when I'm doing a Google search, you type in a keyword and you get the results back. On a database, I'm looking, I'm looking for these, these, these keywords in each report that I read. And uh, that's how I populate these, this data, this database. So when I'm looking at when I'm looking at uh, thousands of uh, reports, and I'm not just talking about Michigan, I'm talking about all of North America. Awesome. Anything beyond that is too much. It's it's awesome. overwhelming to me. Wow. And um, I classify that incident like like what you were mentioning here, Brian, as, as good Samaritan. Okay. That's what I would say. Good okay. Samaritan. So I would look for good Samaritan <clears throat> um, de- uh, behavior within these reports. And it would go into this file. I would look for aggressive aggression reports. I'd put them in that file. And then when I take them out, I measure them. I weigh them. I, I look at them. I analyze these. And do you know the the number of Good Samaritan reports as opposed to, and if you can picture a, a scale, a scale of justice, a, a scale, um, far outweigh the Good Samaritan reports. I'm not saying that they don't occur. Sure, I've seen some beautiful reports, okay. beautiful Good Samaritan examples. But all in all, if, if, if reality is to be told about this, uh, I don't see this. And this goes back to this this uh, point of religion with Sasquatch and stuff. Even though I studied Buddhism in college, you know, I, I'm not too far, too far afield from my my uh, Christian uh, upbringing. That's mm-hmm. where I'm at. Okay. And uh, because of that. I'm looking at these reports, and uh, as as you mentioned before about the uh, S- Scott Carpenter Nephilim kind of connection mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of that, a lot of that in the commentary. But I also I also have my own um, ideas on this. And okay. number one is when I look at these reports again with the database, the data sets, I'm looking at how people react. And I, I got to tell you, I see no angel. I see no angelic um, angels that scare people half to death. I'm talking about old people. I'm talking about young people and kids. Trauma, traumatize these people. Angels don't do that. Um, when, when you see, when, when you, if you have the opportunity to have a physical um contact with these individuals there's something something visceral in your spirit you feel it you know it there's no denying that there's no dismissing that or disregarding that it's real and um uh, to me to me it's a it's a very very um finite uh topic and stuff i I, now i've i've experienced these things um i felt an overwhelming um presence with them i i seen one i know that there was a second one in the tree because i seen it i wasn't able to capture it on 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 photo 
after uh, the photo was was handled and, and sent to the UK, it came back to me pointing out uh, four or five other individuals on the ground, laying down all around me. And to me, the way I felt would be the same way that you would feel if somebody stood over your shoulder and rifled through your computer files, looking at your stuff. You know how okay. invasive that would feel? Okay. And that's the way I felt. It, it was Janice Carter told me one time, because I explained this to her, and she said, well, they were reading you. What do you mean reading me? What do you mean reading me? Yeah. I said they were. it was staring at me, and I was trying to provoke it to get a reaction because I could not believe what I was looking at. I thought it was a man dressed up like this. That's what, that was my first impression. I was a police officer. I had never seen anything like this before. I've seen some crazy things that I couldn't believe. But when I seen this thing, um, you know, it was hard for me to, to switch the gears. I mean, this is reality. This thing was live, breathing, blinking its eyes, stood there emotionless mm. and, uh, and I called it a freak. Okay. I called it, I, I, you know, you freak you is what I said. Just came I out said of your some, mouth. Yeah. I said some nasty things too. I said, what okay. the F, you know, are you All kidding right. me already? What is this? You're, you gotta be, and I'm waiting for this thing to crack a smile. I'm waiting for a man to say, okay, you know, I work for the state and you know, we're doing poaching, whatever. It wasn't it. I felt the sense of um, as though this thing was this thing or things around us were draining my battery, my life, really, life, my energy, and my thought. My my first thought was those books I read, those books I read on missing four one one, you know, mm-hmm. where people disappear. Mm-hmm. Some of the stuff that I read by Scott Carpenter, and I thought to myself. This is how people disappear. This is how it happens right here. Okay. They put you to sleep. They oh put my. you to sleep and you end up who knows where, but I'm not going to sleep. The only thing I felt, the only thing that that caused this feeling, this 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 blanket of uh, emotion that enveloped me to dissipate was my thought of free will. God gives us free will. He gave us the choice, didn't he? Mm -hmm. And when that comes into your mind, when you mention that word, the stuff dissipates like, like, like bad cologne. Wow. Wow. Seriously. And it was at that point, I told my partner who, by the way, you know, I've invited him on the show here. He won't, he won't come on, but that's Okay. okay. But, um, it was at that point where I told him, I says, we got to go. And, um, you know, of course I was, I was armed at that time. And, uh, but at no time that, that, that individual act aggressive towards me. Okay. But it didn't make me feel any better either because on the way out of there, we, we stopped and seen a, uh, 17 and a half inch impression in the ground that we stopped, paused, took a picture of, and I'm going to tell you, and I told, I told Bob this when we were standing there outside the tree line, if that thing comes out of the woods on all fours, I'm going to have a heart attack right here. Wow. Seriously. That thing, that thing was about nine foot tall. Wow. 
It was not a man. It wasn't. It, it, it was it was July. You know how hot and muggy July is get. Oh, yeah. In Michigan. It was hot, <clears throat> very, very hot, very humid. The bugs were just atrocious. The flies, the mosquitoes. And uh, these are the learning things that I've learned. You know, all of these things that happen like this are just incredible. And um, I don't know, I'm not a hunter, but if, if the longer you, you're into this, Brian, uh, ask the people, if you remember, ask the people, if you had an encounter, if it's in the summer, mm-hmm. ask them, do you remember anything about bugs where there are a lot of flies and stuff around? Oh, people tell me that when they hunt, when they're around bears, they can smell them. If you don't smell them, you're you're in, inundated with the uh, flies and stuff that seem to follow okay. these creatures. Okay. It's crazy. No, that's good stuff. And so, you know, Grizz, this is part of the reason why I want to kind of stay associated with Val is because I don't want to also have the narrative that um, this thing is Winnie the Pooh and I can walk up and give it a, give it a hug. I don't want to be that delusional either. Um, you don't want somebody to hold your beer or hold your beer where you go pet it. <laughs> exactly. Because I don't right? want to end up dead. I got kids still, you know, I got kids and totally people who need me and I, and I don't want to live in a fantasy world either because going back to it, remember, I have never had a sighting. I have never had encountered. Now, the reason why Bigfoot is so easy for me to transition into is because of the entities I have seen. The entities, whether you call them um, ghosts or demons or, or um, boy, I even call them small G gods that I have run into, um, especially being part of, man, how can I say this? Um, let me just say this. I was heavily involved in the music industry as well until a portal door opened up in my living room and in walked from another dimension, an entity, a very high powered entity, which scared me. I think I would have had a heart attack at that moment if um, something else wasn't present as well. What I know is God, what I know is Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, I had this thing come in to my right and I had the presence of the Lord come in on the left and hold me in this moment when um, this entity walked in and offered me a deal. And it was. So if you're out there listening to this story, um, this entity offered me what is the cliche deal with the devil. At that time, I was heavily into the music industry. Um, Aretha Franklin's engineer was my engineer. Um, I'd been in the studio with the Four Tops. I was writing a song for Bobby Brown and Billy Ray Cyrus back in the day. I was going to be the first off um, artist off of a new record label, so I had a lot of backing. I was associated with one of Phil Collins' producers, a guy by the name of Tom Tom Washington, who produced Earth, Wind, and Fire, and if you remember um, songs like Easy Lover. And uh, Susa Studio, this guy had oh, done yeah. those songs. So I was uh, I was on the fast track to uh, be a new artist out of Detroit. And um, at that time, it was funny. I just started hearing about Kid Rock, him coming up. And this was before Eminem. 
And, and so I, I'm on the fast track. I, I just cut a demo in Chicago with this producer and I was getting ready to go off to New York to start recording. Um, first of all, have we had flown a soap opera star in from New York. He was singing one of my songs. I was getting ready to go to New York to present two songs to Bobby Brown and Billy Ray Cyrus and then start recording more songs. And I'm going to tell you right now, God's honest truth and people need to hear this. That door opened up in my living room. That thing walked in. And it offered me what I had always wanted. And at that moment, I had to turn it down. So now you can go off on a tangent. You can say I was high. I've never done drugs in my life. You can say I was drunk. At that time, I'd never been drunk in my life. Um, this thing, like Val saying, scared me so bad. Um, there was also an interaction with it. And this is what... I, you know, I'm getting real deep, and I don't know why I'm getting real deep, but these because things... Because you're here. <laughs> <laughs> probably. I appreciate these, it. These things can cross from, whether it be a different dimension, you know, we don't fully understand how all mm -hmm. this works. Mm -hmm. But I've been crossed, they've been crossed over twice, and in two different situations, I've been touched by these things. This particular entity offered me insurmountable amounts of cash, the, I was about to sign a record to just a life of fame, and it kissed me on the forehead right here to seal the deal. Now, at the time it kissed me, it didn't know the presence of the Lord. God Almighty Jesus Christ was in the room. And um, then God made himself known, and this entity, which was right here at the time, kissed me on the forehead, looked up, and the presence of the Lord came in as this bright light, and this thing, absolute fear in its face and ran into that portal and that door shut behind it. And this was in my living room. Mm -hmm. That shocked me. At that time, I'm, ah, gee, uh, I'm 20, wow. 22, 23. Um, it changed my whole perspective. And that launched a series of encounters with entities from different dimensions. Um, talking to me, one one even hit me. So I had the kiss, so I felt that. And then later, um, I had an entity hit me in the chest, punch me in the chest. Mm -hmm. um, so my whole point of this is I had that background to take into the world of Sasquatch. So even though I've never seen a Sasquatch, my ears are open. My eyes are opened. Um, I don't want to make this thing a Winnie the Pooh if it's not, not a Winnie the Pooh poo but um mm -hmm. i do want to hear um all sides of the story you know mm -hmm. i have to do that for the sake of the tv show um in order for the show to grow as we say um but yeah um boy it, it, it's been an amazing ride so the past two years and then mm -hmm. meeting all these wonderful people who their lives have been changed mm -hmm. um it, it's been awesome it's been really that's incredible cool. that's incredible yeah. And I don't know what it is with Michigan. They've they've come out with a lot of talent, musical talent over the years that I remember. Bob Siegel, Ted Nugent, MC5, Grand Funk Ravel. These were all Michigan people from the from the blue collar state, you know, the 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 dregs of society. But these were some very, very good uh, talent and stuff. And just as you mentioned, Aretha Franklin. I think mm -hmm. she started out in Detroit, Motown uh -huh. there, the yep. Temptations yep. and uh, the rest of these people. So the state's always had a lot of talent. 
musically and stuff. Sure. And by the way, what instrument did you play? Um, I was kind of a jack of all trade. I'm one of these guys who was able, just a strange talent. I, I mm. hope to get back to it. Um, I was able to sit down and have a four track recorder and I'd lay the guitar track down. I'd use an automatic drum track, but I'd lay the guitar track down, the bass track down, the piano and keyboard track down. And I'd put it on a four track and then I'd take it um, to my engineer, Ruth Franklin's engineer. And then um, he would have his studio band come in mm -hmm. and uh, then, then we'd cut it in the studio. And then that's mm -hmm. how we put that professional polish on it. Um, yeah, and, and even to this day, there's a couple of producers out in Nashville I still uh, do demo songs for. So, like, I'll sing some. I think uh, last year I sang, I sing three or four songs, and you know, we, they put them together, they make a library, and then they shop them to Blake Sheldon. And the the band I sing with is um, uh, who's the guy married to? Uh, I don't know. Oh, Tim McGraw. So I sing like I'll sing, and it'll be Tim McGraw's band playing the music. You right. know. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's pretty cool. So I do that a couple of times a year. That's a fun hobby of mine. So, so you're well. a very talented man. Well, <laughs> I I know how to do stuff, and and so in this industry, whether you're doing film or whether you're singing, yes, you have to have talent. But so much of it is you knowing how to do things. Really, the the blunt honesty is um, it's also in who you know. And a lot has to do with, do you know when to shut your mouth? Mm -hmm. Do you know when to not wear out your welcome? When you're on set, you know, are, are you trying to talk to Ben Affleck constantly? Or are you waiting till the moment's right? Um, people do that and they blow their chance by talking too much. Or when actually these people have been in the business for so long, they're there to do a job, get it done, because that's how they make their livelihood. Wow. Well, I had no idea it's, that we'd get off on all this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, my my early uh, experiences with music was I played drums. I was percussion. Oh, awesome! And 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 I never made it out of garage bands and stuff. But that's uh -huh. that was my talent. But awesome. I also grew up in the in the um, generation of of Ann Arbor, Michigan. Oh, nice. With 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 a long hair and everything. I went into the military like this. Okay. And a lot of the people, a lot of the people now that were like me then, yeah, they're CIA, they're government, they're uh, very high level corporate leaders and stuff. Very, uh, very educated. Very, uh, you know, they went on to graduate with doctorate degrees and and some of them are medical doctors surgeons but that's how life takes us it takes mm. us through these different that's our journey that's yeah. our personal journey that we that we take and some of these things we have to have to endure and learn from you know you stumble you fall you get up and you keep moving but these are all lessons in life that we learn for sure, for sure. And when yeah. it comes to Sasquatch, Val, I, I don't want to go out into the woods and think every impression is a Sasquatch footprint. Mm -hmm. I don't want to think that every broken branch is, you know, a Sasquatch marking its territory. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. there's that aspect, too. I don't want to go too far the other way uh, mm -hmm. with this either. So mm -hmm. it, it's definitely, yeah, I'm, I'm just... 
I'm just learning. You know, when it comes down to it, I'm learning, trying to keep my ears open and, and just listen to guys like you and, and the eyewitnesses who had the actual encounter. Well, from everything that I've seen, you're doing you're doing the right thing, Brian. And, well, uh, thank you, sir. And, and and I know you've you've had to put up with me in the beginning stages too, um, because I didn't know who was who. Mm -hmm. um, this is new for me. Mm -hmm. I don't know who the good eggs are and the bad eggs are. But mm -hmm. one thing I do know from my film background and production background is mm -hmm. you keep the crazies out. <laughs> you keep you keep the crazies out who want to do nothing but use you and take your mm -hmm. money you know, and lead you down a path that isn't going to be fruitful. You know, we have to streamline this. And that's part of the reason I'm taking all this on my shoulders. I know what to do and I know what not to do. So I don't have time to waste. Now we have a mutual friend um, down there in Monroe County, David. <clears throat> yes. Shout out to Dave. Hello, Dave. Yes. And Dave. get my vow. I, I don't know why I keep <laughs> jumping off. So uh, Brian, it's been a pleasure. How does everybody find you and reach you? Um, well, first of all, you can go to Bigfoots. That's B B I G, you know, F O O T S. You got to have that S on the end. Bigfoots of Michigan.com. And then we're on Facebook. Uh, Bigfoots of Michigan, there's a page and there's also a group. Um, the recommendation is to become part of the group, you know, and you have to answer the questions. I have a couple of other administrators who who really watch that i'm in there every so often but uh a woman by the name of cheryl green i have uh kind of commissioned her to be a pit bull to keep the crazies out so um she does does a good job for me but yeah you can go to those groups and our youtube channel bigfoots of michigan put in um since we're so new and we're still getting a following when you go to youtube put in bigfoots of michigan channel and then we'll come up awesome awesome well, it's been wonderful glad to awesome. have you you're more welcome back anytime and from coast to coast around the world we'll see you at eight o'clock take care everybody bye-bye hey.